the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Welcome to that show. Hasn't been funny in years, an SNL podcast. I am your host, Nick DiGilio. I'm a podcaster, a comedy writer, and performer, graduate of the Second City, a Saturday Night Live expert and historian. And each week, we will look back at everything SNL the best, the worst, the good, the bad, the classic, the forgotten. We'll talk about full seasons and full casts and behind the scenes stories and episodes, sketches, SNL's historical significance, and much, much more. Sometimes I'll have guests, sometimes I won't. But with every episode, I will always prove that that tired old cliche that you hear all the time, that show hasn't been funny in years, is absolutely wrong. And we have a guest on uh, this episode, and I'm so excited because he's a great old friend who I used to work with for many years at the Factory Theater here in Chicago, Uh, a great playwright and a great guy and a huge fan of Saturday Night Live. Let me just read his bio. His name is Sean Abley, and I could not be more excited to welcome him. He is a playwright, screenwriter, journalist, and a total queer. He co-founded the Factory Theater in Chicago in 1992, and in the years since has had plays produced over 400 times in countries all over the world, and you still haven't heard of them. He most recently founded the Desert Playwrights Retreat, an all-expense-paid retreat hosted in Palm Springs for the LGBTQ playwrights. He has produced a bunch of low-budget gay and horror indie films and written a few himself, including a gay sci-fi thriller called Socket and the 14th, 15th, and 16th sequels to the films Witchcraft, which is the longest-running horror franchise in history. He currently writes for Fangoria Magazine, great magazine, and has a new book coming out in early 2024 called Queer Horror, A Film Guide. He's gay married and obsessed with his two cats, Sandwich and Ferda. He's a great friend of mine. He is an SNL freak, and I love him. And I want to welcome to the podcast, Sean Abley. Hey, this is Nick DiGilio here on That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. So my interview with the great Sean Abley from Factory Theater talking about Saturday Night Live, uh, we had some technical difficulties for the first few minutes. So uh, by way of uh, editing, we had to cut those things out. So just a couple of minutes of Sean and I talking, catching up a little bit on the Factory Theater and getting ready to talk about Saturday Night Live. We had some technical problems, but then this happened, and by a miracle, the tech problems were solved, and we pick up from there. Can't hear you. <gasps> there can we you go. hear me now? I can. There it is. Oh, I can hear you in both. Okay. Oh. Oh, that's it. Repair mode. That's oh. that's. There you go. Um, oh. So, <laughs> and I've got no echo on my end, and now that's all repaired. There you go. So we're good. So um, we're not gonna we're not gonna start over. We'll uh, we'll because I want to. First of all, I want to keep in your husband at the sink because that's fucking hilarious. Um, so I know where to. I'll, I'll tell my dude where to cut and uh, and where, when we come back. So um, we were talking about um, the beginning of the factory, and I'll just I'll I'll take off from there. He can edit it together. Uh, okay. Let me mark this. So I'm just gonna. Or say, you can just leave it. 
It's the magic of radio. <laughs> yeah, the magic of radio. Yeah, it's a quite different. It's a quite a, it's a quite a different beast. It took me a long time to realize that. I got to tell you. Um, okay, so um, let me get back into this. And all right, so we're just going to jump off, and I'll I'll jump right back in. Okay, yeah. so the fa- so the factory, the fall of uh, of uh, of ninety three, everything was the, the the core of the factory was kind of there, and then it just mm-hmm. went on and. Um, and you know, throughout the nineties, tons of people went through there. Uh, uh, um, I became AD for many years. I was artistic director for many years of the right. company. Um, I wrote a ton of shows and, you know, uh, was, I mean, I, I, you know, the stuff that, that, uh, that, that I did at the factory theater is the proudest shit that I've ever done. Some of the stuff is I'm unbelievably proud of. And that the time that I spent with the fa- hell, I met my first wife there. You know, so uh, just just the one, just, just the first the, one. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to get into the into the whole history of that shit, but <laughs> um, but no, I have so many great memories, and so and the factory's still going. I just went uh, about a month ago uh, to see uh, the latest show that Mr. Scott Oaken wrote uh, and directed. Well, interestingly enough, I'm actually working with them again on an archive project, which, by the way, you are going to be part of. So I'm gathering all the scripts, all the scripts that everybody oh, has ever done God. at the factory. Wow. Um, Boy, that's yeah, something. That's a lot. That's a lot yeah. of work. Yeah. And there's going to be a publishing part of it, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, so dig cool. those out. I will. I will. I'll find, there's a lot of them. Some of them I won't be able to find, Sean. I got to tell you. Well, so, I'll, I was going to make a joke about, you know, dig out the pamphlet that was Escape from the North Pole. <laughs> <laughs> it indeed for, was a pamphlet. That for was, those that don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny because like that, how that show, uh, you know how that show started. Mike and I were at a Sting concert. <laughs> and, and we were like, you know what would be funny is if, if I don't know how the hell it wasn't in the winter, it wasn't during Christmas, but we were like, you know what would be funny is if Snake Plissken had to go to the North Pole and rescue Santa uh, or rescue the Pope. And we were like, yeah, that would be hilarious. And we're like, hey, let's do it. And then we both were too fucking lazy to write a script. So we wrote about like the two of us wrote like, I don't know, 10 pages. And then we were like, yeah, let's just get everybody who's good <laughs> in the right. show and have them improvise everything. And that's what we did. And I directed right. it. And I was, it, it was fantastic. Because, I mean, that show, by the way, Sean, I mean, you go back and look at that cast. How the fuck did I get that cast? I don't. I mean, seriously, that cast is unbelievable. It was all stars, all stars. Well, and it was also like, I mean, you weren't the only ones that were handing in pamphlets for scripts. I mean, we we got to the point where we were writing for each other, yeah. And so we knew what each other could do. So you could <laughs> come in with something that was like three quarters done, and just be like, "We'll fix it in rehearsal." Right. And, exactly. and we did. To our credit, I, we did. Yeah, we did. And and Escape Escape of the North Pole is a fun show, man. Uh, I I hear a lot of people who saw it years ago who were like, yeah, that show was really funny. I'm like, my God, okay, that's cool. Yeah. There's shows that I barely remember. Uh, That's kind of one of them. Wind Place or Show is one of them because I had my isolated little part, so I wasn't there for most of the rehearsals. And I was like, skate in right before I had to do my part and then basically like hang out downstairs till the curtain call. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was you because that took place at a track and you were the snarky gay uh uh teller uh, right taking at, the bets yeah yeah taking the bets and it was funny because like uh that was a, and, like, and you were off and it was essentially like 12 uh 12 straight guys doing dick jokes for an hour and a half and then you that was that was essentially what that, <laughs> which was a fun was a, that was a fun was a fun we, show i had a good time we we were there was a a facebook thread that somebody asked us I think it was Shannon O'Neill asked people, what's your favorite joke or moment from the from factory? The fact, from and, the, oh my God. Yeah. And what, the one that popped to mind for me was literally when place a show and it was Matt O'Neill. Yeah. And, and in the grand tradition of, of the factory, he did it once and it was hilarious. And then everybody tried to steal the joke. 
<laughs> you guys were all sitting on the bleachers and like some tools came by yeah and you were you know fighting with them and making fun of them yeah and somebody's like what's your name and somebody said kevin and then nobody could think of a way to like make fun of the name kevin until matt o'neill <laughs> says kev in and points to his butt like something going into his butt <laughs> I mean, the level of discourse <laughs> at the Factory Theater could not be beaten. That's yeah. genius. Oh, my God. Well, anyway, uh, all of that incredible comedy that we did, a lot of us who were there at the beginning, um, you know, or I was sort of there at the beginning, and, mm -hmm. and, and in the early years and so on and so forth, we're inspired. See, I'm doing a segue. I'm doing a segue, Sean. Yeah. This is amazing. We're inspired by Saturday Night Live. Oh, my God. What? Yes. And that's what this is all about. Um, Sean, I know you're a Saturday Night Live freak because when mm -hmm. we first met and all the years, the two things that, well, we, we bonded on a lot of things because, you know, I think you're awesome and and I think you think oh, I'm awesome and all that. Back so. and, and But we bonded on two major things. Uh, obviously, our love of comedy and SNL, and of course, fucking horror movies. And I don't even, yeah. you know. That was when you and I really were like, oh, we're going to get along. Like, I think, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I believe it might have been a phantasm conversation, I think. Um, uh, well, considering I'm looking at the phantasm poster that I've had since high school, original <laughs> issue phantasm poster, I've literally carried that with me forever. It's on my wall right now. That's yeah. a good bet. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> but, but SNL was the other one. It was horror movies and SNL. And so yeah. I just want to first, before we get into, cause we're going to talk about your five favorite sketches, but I know, mm -hmm. and, and I know is an impossibility. I've every guest mm -hmm. I've ever had and I've asked them, Hey, what are your five favorite sketches and blah, blah, blah. They're like, dude, you know how fucking hard that is to narrow it down to five sketches. And, and I understand that, uh, but you did. And we'll talk more, more than just five sketches, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I want to get, you know, your, your, you're a comedy person. You love comedy. Now, tell me, you grew up in Montana, correct? I did. Yeah. Colorado, Montana, born and raised. Went and to college there. You went to college and everything. And then eventually you came here. I'm in Chicago. You came mm -hmm. here to Chicago mm -hmm. uh, for the specific reason of going to Second City and doing Saturday Night Live. Was that one of the reasons why? Yeah. Literally the reason why is that I had been watching Saturday Night Live. I was too young to be watching it when it first started, but I was because my, you know, for, for, for good or bad, my parents <laughs> just let me do what I want. Yeah. Um, and so I've been watching it, you know, since the beginning of the show when I was like 10 or something. And by the time I got to college, I knew enough about the show that I knew that people had come from the Groundlings and from the committee and from um, uh, Second City. And so that literally as I was in college getting my, uh, well, I quit college actually to do this, but I was working toward my BFA in acting. Mm -hmm. um, the plan was always to go to Chicago and get into Second City and get onto Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And so if you want to keep drawing that line, honestly, the factory wouldn't exist had I not been such a fan of Saturday Night Live because yeah. I met, you know, I met all the people that started the factory with me through the improv classes at Second City and yep. Players Workshop. Yep. So yep. yeah, it is, it is omnipresent in my life. Yeah, there's no question about it, and uh, and and I think it was kind of uh, it was kind of fate that I ended up there with Mike, that Mike and I met, and because we have the same background, and we all you know all of us are obsessed with uh, with Saturday Night Live. Um, so you said you were a little too. You, let's go back to you were a little young because yeah, I think mm -hmm. you're. Are you a couple? Are you a couple years younger than me? Because I'm I'm 57. Okay, so you're younger than I am. Um, so. Okay. I started watching it from the very first episode. Again, like you, my mm -hmm. parents were like, I don't give a shit. My dad took me to see The Exorcist when I was eight in the theater. So same, it, same. Yeah. I remember going to see movies like 
the R-rated version of Saturday Night Fever with my mom, which you might remember, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> has the guys pulling a train on a girl in the back yeah. seat of a car. Oh among yeah, among other scenes, uh, among other scenes, yeah, among <laughs> other scenes, and insane amounts of racism. And and right. I think pe- I, people, I think people forget just how fucked up that movie is. It's a great movie, yeah. but just like how dark right. it is. It's a very dark movie, man. And though, people-, though people that that only remember the distillation of it was the TV show making it starring American (laughs) werewolf in London's David Naughton um, are missing a a, a thick layer of sleaze. That was was an interview. Beautiful, beautiful studio backed seventies sleaze, which we will never, ever get again. So, but, um, but, but anyway, uh, so you started watching it because I watched it from the very first episode, George Carlin Mm -hmm. in 1975 and became Mm -hmm. obsessed with it. And like you, I had a lot of uh, comedy um, uh, stuff that started around that time. Like I started, I discovered mm-hmm. Python around the same time. And, mm-hmm. you know, so all of that stuff happened. It was like a juggernaut of comedy just slammed over me when I was very, very young. Mm-hmm. So what happened Saturday Night Live? You said you were watching it a little bit too young. What are your memories of watching it as a kid? Um, well, first of all, I was always a little fat kid. So it was, you know, and I was taught to cook very early. So it was basically making grilled cheese sandwich and uh, tater tots and, watching dungeon theater which Ah. is our local horror movie thing first yeah and then saturday night live would come on um and i'm assuming it was on a delay because well in in montana the news comes on at 10 not 11 o'clock as it does Mm -hmm. in some other places in the country Uh, but saturday night live was still like super late anyway um and i remember the thing that really landed with me with the show and that i tried to explain to other people was the commercials, the fake commercials, mm, mm-hmm. and the talk shows, and the stuff that was ref- referential to television. Right. And because uh, my little brain was like, it's like a TV show in a TV show. Yeah. And it, you know what I mean? Like, it's a network in a network, which is interesting because that's SCTV, which yep. I was sort of a late adopter of. Um, so that's, so I, when you were asking me to pick my favorite sketches, honestly, I had to stop myself from picking all of the like, um, like the pine scented uh, exhaust for air freshener, right? Um, for the car or Bassomatic right. or right. you know all those great you know little chocolate donuts sludge like all yeah. those various commercials. I just stopped myself picking those because those are the ones that really yeah. landed for me. That's interesting. But when I got to high school, and I already knew I wanted to be an actor, which is like an impossible task when you're growing up in Montana. Yeah. We would do variety shows and Saturday Night Live. I remember <laughs> I wrote the sketch for a variety show we were doing in high school called Dialing for Disembowelment. And the, the <laughs> premise of the sketch was you could like call in or mail in like the thing that you wanted to see horrible happen to somebody. And in this episode, we were making a pair of cowboy boots out of E.T. And so <laughs> we did the whole, the whole thing was going to be like cut up an E.T. and make him a cowboy boots. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was already like on the way to like creating, you know, sketches and sketch comedy and and I don't know if I was thinking about SNL as much, but um but you also might remember this. You know, this is back in the day when there was no no VCRs, there was no TV, yeah. there was no no yeah. way to rewatch a show until yeah. it re-ran. That's right. And so there was the grand tradition of going to school and telling your friends who didn't see it, like like acting out the sketches for them. 
Absolutely. Yes. And so did that constantly. I mean, in high school, it was different because people could watch it. But like in junior high, it would be like a nonstop, you know, one man show performance by Sean Abley of the latest Mork and Mindy episode or, or, you know, um, Saturday Night Live sketches. Yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting. It was sort of like training me by proxy for what I would end up doing for a living for the next you know, 40 years, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, and that, that, I think that's the case with a lot of us. I, I think, you know, a lot of us are around that because Mike is my age. You're just about my age. Mm-hmm. Amy is, Amy's around our age as well. And, yep. and, and all of the people that started out in the factory at that sort of Jeff Rogers, we're all around the same age. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and clearly Saturday Night Live had an impact on our generation that was massive. And, and again, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously historically there had been nothing like it on TV. Um, there right. had been there had been sketch comedy on variety shows, but the the vibe was different, and you know like they didn't put like you know like they didn't put like people like Zsa Zsa Gabor in a in a sketch in the middle of right. like a bad dance number. It just had right. a different vibe. We had all seen variety shows. We all watched Carol Burnett. We all watched all the variety mm-hmm. shows of the '70s, but there was just something inherently different and younger and crazier and hipper about SNL. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what appealed to me at least. Yeah, I mean the closest thing was those Lin- Lily Tomlin specials that Lauren produced right yeah, like yeah yeah but that was kind of the closest and also we were the generation now that i think about it like if we were watching a little above our age which means you know like 10 year olds watching saturday night live when it right. first starts we're right. kind of the generation that was like steeped in that right so by the so i think one of the reasons why the chicago theater scene was so big was suddenly all of these people were finally old enough to move to chicago like we're all in our early 20s just out of college yeah and, and you know what I mean? Like we'd all had Saturday Night Live as like in our DNA. And yeah. We were kind of the first, you know, yeah. first group that had it so young that it was you're so right. omnipresent. Yeah. I don't know. That might be reaching a little bit, but it does no, feel like right. I think you're right. that was that was the goal then, right? Yeah. Like there was just so many people. Um, and Chicago as a city was like, yes, please have a storefront theater. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like, yeah. like they weren't shutting them all down yet. They're, <laughs> not know. yet. They did, but yeah, not, right. not at that point. So yeah. Yeah, it, was, it was kind of like the Wild West of comedy for a while there in the early oh, mid-90s. so good. Yeah. It was fantastic. Oh, here's a, piece, here's a piece of trivia. The theater, our factory theater, our first location on um, Loyola, yeah. was we got it from a company named Cardiff Giant. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, they were like, they didn't have any money and they needed money. So they needed somebody to take over their lease, blah, blah, blah. Two of the members of Cardiff Giant created the hit musical Urinetown. Yes, they did, didn't they? Like, it's, like that? They did okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they did. Well, it's amazing how many people in that time period who started doing theater around Chicago. And I mean, look at Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon, mm-hmm. you know, is now a billionaire. I remember when that guy was living in his car right outside mm-hmm. on Sheridan. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, we all have stories about like, holy shit, this person did this and this person did that. I mean, oh. Nick, Nick Offerman, Nick Offerman was a, was a, was a member of Defiant Theater and I knew him and I, you know, and all this, all, a, a lot of people who are around our age at that time who dove deep into the world of Chicago storefront theater went yeah. on to do some amazing shit. Really? You know, there's a little known actress named Tina Fey. You might oh, have heard of her. I think I have heard of her. Yeah. <laughs> she auditioned for the factory theater and we yeah. didn't cast her. <laughs> we did not cast her. Yeah. yeah, I remember. I, I know that's legendary. I think that's one of the infamous yeah. stories. Is that Tina Fey uh, did not get cast uh, to be an yeah. ensemble member at the Factory Theater. So, More so, so tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and she, boy, and and uh, I, I, her career would have went somewhere if she did. That would have been something. I know. I feel bad. 
All right, so who were some of your favorite cat? Let's just go into some cast members before we dump in, mm. j- jump into your mm-hmm. lists of your favorite mm-hmm. sketches and stuff like that. You talked about what appealed to you at first, which were sort of the, uh, the commercial parodies and things like that. Mm-hmm. But after the initial like, commercial parody thing, mm-hmm. what were some of the cast members and some of the other things that kept you attracted to, to Saturday Night Live? You know, it's, there's the, when we talk about my first sketch that we picked, it, it, it's this, it was the assumption that the audience was as smart as they, as the writers were in the beginning. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't have been able to verbalize that back then, but I look at it now and, and like the, the, the style parodies that they did, the, the, you know, era parodies that they did, like literally like going through the encyclopedia, looking for things to write about, like, there was just something about that, that, that drew me to it. And again, I, this is in retrospect at the time I was just like, this is funny. Yeah. I, I also was, you know, super drawn that first cast. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm so glad they all quit at the same time, honestly, because they felt like family, you know, it's that weird thing where like, yeah. if you watch like a TV show, if you binge a TV show, suddenly you feel like, you know, those people. And I just, I, they were so perfectly matched yeah, and there was so much in the press about them that you could sort of learn about them. And then you know, they were doing these auxiliary projects, and they they did a they did few enough movies outside of that that you could keep track of them. And yeah, and I don't know, it was just it just felt like we all discovered this thing at the same time. It's true. Um, it's, I remember, by the way, I remember by the way being so excited because John Belushi was in that Jack Nicholson movie Going South. And he's in it. Right. For, he's in it for two fucking seconds, and I was like, "Oh my god!" John. And that's why I went because Belushi was in it, and he had never. This was yeah. before. This was before Animal House and before Old Boyfriends. Mm-hmm. But like when I when man when I saw that, I was like so excited that he was in it. That movie he did called Neighbors. Remember yeah. that one? Yeah. The weird one yeah. with Dan Aykroyd yeah. and um, what was her Kathy, name? Kathy Moriarty. Kathy. Yeah, Kathy, Kathy Moriarty. Yeah. Kathy Moriarty, but yeah. no, Ka- not Catherine. Catherine. Quinlan, but the, okay. Catherine. No, not Catherine Harold either. Uh, she's a. <laughs> she's a Catherine something. I know. She, that's, she's all over that that Wired book. She's she was like yeah. part of the crew yeah. back then. Well, I'm I'm gonna be I'm dumb. I can't remember her name. Um, but yeah, shit like that like could get made because they were in it. Yeah. Yeah. I also liked a thing that they don't really do now. Um, they they don't make room for like gentle humor anymore. And like, like the Lubners, like you don't mm-hmm. see the Lubners anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't see like the Judy Miller show, um, stuff like that. And, and I, I, I don't want to be like, you know, the, you know your, the whole premise of your podcast is that it is still funny. Yeah. Like I completely agree. And the people yes. that shit talk Saturday Night Live, I'm like, you're dumb. But yeah. they have changed how they approach it over the years. And one I of the agree. things that I do miss is some of the stuff that didn't need to end on a punchline that, it was just sort of like slice of life, humorous and heartwarming that, yeah. that I'm going to con- attribute to like and Beats and Marilyn Miller and yeah. I'm trying to think of the other female writers, Rosa Schuster, like yeah, Schuster the, Rosa, um, yeah. the women writers of the time, I think, yeah. were, were the, the ones that contributed mm-hmm. most of that mm-hmm. stuff. So, many, OK, some of your favorite cast members, and not just any seasons, but from recent old time, just popping off the top of your head, some of your favorite uh, SNL cast members of all time. So I'm going to block out the original cast because I yeah. feel like that's just bedrock. So yep. um, MVP of, of all time, mm-hmm. uh, Kristen Wiig and, um, uh, uh, oh my God, I'm forgetting his name. Stop it. No. The host. Of- the, not, not, I mean, because my, my favorite, I don't know if this is yours, my favorite cast member of all time for me is Phil Hartman. I think Phil Hartman is the best. Oh, cast member yeah. No, he's, t- he's, he's, he's definitely up there at the top. Yeah. Um, 
Oh God, what the hell? I'm having total aphasia right now. Host of Black Jeopardy. Oh, uh, Keenan Thompson. Keenan Thompson. Oh my oh, God. My God. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, well, long, Keenan Thompson. He, he's got the longest reign. He's been there the longest. Yeah. And no, you know, yeah. Keenan Thompson is a goddamn glorious human. I mean, that's like yeah. he could walk into any sketch, even if it's shit. And he's been a lot of shitty sketches. Mm-hmm. He's always great. Like he walks in, pro, hilarious, awesome. I totally agree with you. Totally. You know, they get to they get to cast their sketches, and I have a feeling like if you have a sketch that's not so great, you like put Keenan in it. Exactly. Like, it, gets, it gets to at least eleven o'clock, right? It gets yeah, to at least exactly. to eleven fifty-five. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and um, Kristen, Kristen Wig. Oh my God, I know you. I Kristen Wig is just amazing. Um, I just the more I learn about her, the more I love her even more. Just just mm-hmm. her sort of approach to acting in general. Um, you know, Tina Fey. Oh, I think was genius on that show more so in an update than in sketches. She yep. has one of my favorite jokes of all time from weekend update. And I think it was her first thing that she said as a weekend update anchor ever. Okay. And the joke was the world's largest orgy in Mykonos was canceled. So I stayed home and cleaned my apartment instead. <laughs> genius. Great. Yeah. That's a Tina, that is such a Tina Fey joke yeah. too. Like that's an absolute Tina yeah. Fey joke. Yeah. I, you um, know, when I'm picking the people, yeah. Um, this sort of going through. I loved Mary Gross. I never thought she got her I agree. due on that show. Totally agree. Um, yeah. Gosh, who else? I mean, there's so many people that I just sort of enjoy. Well, right um, now, for me, right now, I mean, I think there's, I think there's some fantastic people in that cast. But for me, right mm-hmm. now, and over oh, yeah. the past, over the past. However long she's been on the show, Heidi Gardner, fucking, I love Heidi Gardner. She's great. She's I great. think she's absolutely great, and she's always fantastic on that show. And there's a lot of the women have been really strong over the past decade, I think. Uh, and it's in some cases, 100%. we're the strongest part of the cast were the ladies. They've been carrying it a, a, a lot. And I, I, I agree. I think that over the whole course of the show, the women have, if you were have, if you had to rank them. I think the women have been stronger on the show than the men in general, yeah. which is weird that the men have had better post SNL careers. True. Than the women. True. Yeah. True. All right. Well, let's get into some of your favorite sketches. Now you mentioned okay. the first one we're going to talk. Well, for, before we do that, you did mention in the, in your email, you're like anything, Mr. Bill. Um, what was it about Mr. Bill? I mean, obviously we were kids when Mr. Bill first right. hit, so we're going right. to laugh at it because we were kids, but mem- Mr. Bill and I, and people of our age, obviously love Mr. Bill. I had a Mr. Bill poster, uh-huh. I had a Mr. Bill T-shirt. I was all, all about. Mr. Oh yeah. Bill. What was it about Mr. Bill that appealed to you? I think it was the dark humor of it all. Like there was like, oh, it looks like uh, it looks like Spot's dirty. He needs a bath, and then Mr. <laughs> Hands would drop Spot into a pot of boiling water, <laughs> right. and of course he would melt because he's clay. Um, you know, yeah, I don't know. It's just, just, just like super. I mean, I've always had a dark sense of humor, so I think that was it. Yeah. Um, the lo-fi nature of the very beginning. I mean, if you watch Mr. Bill from beginning to end, and then when like the book finally came out that had the record in it, I don't even remember that. I proudly it's on my stack of things I was going to show you if we're on camera. Um, (laughs) it got real polished eventually, but the very first ones were my favorite. Yeah. Well, I can understand that too. Well, before we before we get into the five that you that you mm-hmm. you know agonized over uh, to play, <laughs> let's talk about. You do have honorable mentions. Let's go through the honorable mm-hmm. mention stuff because this would okay. be fun to talk about. Uh, okay. Judy Judy Miller show. Uh, Gilda. Show. I mean, what can you say about Gilda? Um, I know Queen Uf- the evil Queen Ufadufovich. Yeah, she's just. <laughs> I mean, the, the beginning of the thing is she like don't slam the door and she slams yeah. the door going into her bedroom and she opens the door. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to slam the door and then she slams it again. Yeah, I mean. Gilder personified, but that's, I mean, I feel like that was just Gilda. 
Yeah. Yeah. And she was great. And I love the fact that like she, what, what was it? She bruised a rib because she bounced off the door one time, like in dress, <laughs> like in dress. She like, I think either broke a rib or bruised a rib because she bounced her, threw herself off the door like a bunch of times. And then yeah. uh, during the live show, she was, she did the entire 90 minutes like with a fucked up rib. And I oh. that's, that's the kind Gosh. of stuff that she did. She was amazing. I'm- All right. How about cold as ice video? Do you remember what I'm talking about? I, you got to remind me because sometimes like the titles are. I have to be because I'm old, Sean, and I got to. Yeah, I know, and I just <laughs> threw it in there. So the 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 videos that were done, the film, sorry, films that were done yeah. in the very beginning, um, were all very weird. And so the cold as ice one was literally the song "Cold as Ice," and it was a montage just set up like against a blank wall of a guy in coveralls being killed by a beautiful woman in slow motion. So like, and it would cut sort of back and forth. Like this time he's got scissors in his back, and this time she's blowing his guts out with him with a shotgun. Holy shit! Wait, and that was it. That was the whole thing. Do you know who was it? Was that was that O'Donohue who wrote that? No, 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 no. No, No, Oh no, it's cold. um, Cold as ice. It was years later because old cold as ice like the uh, late seventy seven. So that would be like. that, well, well that's in the first five years. Well, yeah, O'Donohue so was in a, the first five years. He was, yeah. So it's but not it, O'Donohue. It, that sounds like O'Donohue. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, yeah. So it was just it was just weird. And again, they don't do that kind of comedy anymore. No, they. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> now the next one that you mentioned is uh, absolutely a favorite of mine. It's the slumber party when Madeline Kahn uh, hosted. Oh. By the way, um, I, I just on a personal note, yesterday um, I went to see Young Frankenstein in 35 millimeter <gasps> at the Music Box Theater with mm-hmm. 750 people in the audience. Oh. Um, it was unbelievable, and just you know, mentioning Madeline Kahn makes me happy, sad because yeah. she she makes me happy, but I'm sad that she's gone. She's one of the funniest humans that's ever walked the planet, ever. I, I think Mel Brooks is a genius. Yeah, but his stuff doesn't have legs unless he's working with somebody else. I, I think, like we just mm-hmm. watched High Anxiety recently, and it just mm-hmm. did not hold up. It made me, it broke my heart because it was my one of my favorites. But Young Frankenstein, they wrote it together, yeah, and they worked on it together with Gene Wilder, and it yeah. is like unparalleled I mean, genius. No, it's perfect. I mean, I saw have, yeah. having seen it just like you know twenty four hours ago. Uh, the mm-hmm. goddamn movie is perfect. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, right. Madeline Kahn uh, but- infamously did not enjoy hosting Saturday Night Live. Did not get along with people. But that that that. That sketch again, one of those gentle sketches, slumber party. Yeah. The, yeah. the joke I remember is they're talking about like one of their friends' sisters got pregnant, and they're like, "How does that happen?" Yeah, I don't know. I think somebody just jumped out from behind a bush and said, "Have a baby," and she got yeah. pregnant. Yeah. And they're like, "Well, you wouldn't do that to me," which <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it was just it was just adorable. And it was, and, yeah, and and doing lovely character work. You know, the 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 yeah. actresses playing like kids and stuff like that. It was yeah, mm-hmm. it's I, I love that one too. Uh, now this next one is. It's fantastic. It's uh, Shatner at the Star Trek convention. And this is one where he caught hell because he did it. Um, mm-hmm. But it was like both like cathartic for him and for anybody who's ever been annoyed by the Star Trek uh, uh, geeks. It set this one up. I'm sure people know about it, but this is a legendary sketch. Right. So we're at a Star Trek convention and William Shatner is the host of Saturday Night Live that night. And so they int- the, the, it starts with the host of like the the thing that's happening in the room, uh, thanking the people that had just spoken. And one of them was the woman who'd been turned into a cube uh, on a certain episode, which is a Star Trek reference actually happened. Um, And they bring Shatner up and he (laughs) starts with get a life. 
Yeah. Just get a life. It's a TV show. It was yeah. on for three years. Yeah. I, you know, I'm an actor. He goes on and on and on, just like roasting Star Trek fans. And yeah. this, of course, historically, was when Star Trek conventions had started. They were the first of any sort of science fiction conventions. Yeah. And they were really catching steam at this point. And then he so he roasts the audience and they're all ter- you know horrified. And then somebody whispers into his ear. And <laughs> then he comes back and says, that, of course, was a reenactment of right. my speech from episode blah blah blah, you know, right. And, right. and totally back, to, and everybody's like happy again. You're yeah, right. no, legendarily, he was like wanted to do it and happy to do it, and then yeah. regretted it for quite a while afterwards. They did because people really came after him, and I, I I remember like somebody knew that one of his horses had a mare on a, on his ranch, like <laughs> that's how much they knew about him, like they yeah. knew personal stuff. And I know John Lovitz had the spike the Spock ears, and he was all sad because like. <laughs> Like, look at you. Right. Have you ever ki- like he goes? Have you ever kissed a girl? You ever kissed a girl? <laughs> <laughs> and then they whisper to him how much he's getting paid. And that's when he's like, "Oh, and that was just a reenactment." Yeah, a great sketch. One of the one of my favorites of all time. Um, all right, now we're getting into like we're going back to the early days. We're going back to the first season. Okay. Uh, Buck, <laughs> Buck Henry, as Uncle Roy. Um, I oh. talked I talked about these sketches <laughs> a few episodes ago when I did a sec. I did a. Uh, the the topic of the of the uh, of the episode was subversive Saturday Night Live stuff, mm. and this is mm. as fucked up. This is as fucked up as it gets. So describe it for people. Sure not, describe for people. And again, we just talked about how sweet it was to see the female cast members play kids and uh, little girls. And so tell, tell people about Uncle Roy. Yeah, and honestly, I actually think the sketch was written by one of the women. I think it was. Correctly. Yeah, no, it was. It was. It was. It was I think it's Ann Beats who wrote it. Uh, if I'm Ann not Beats, mistaken. right? Yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. Sense. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mrs. Michael O'Donoghue. Um, yep. <laughs> so the sketch, for those who don't know, it's Buck Henry, who back in the day, Buck Henry could host Saturday Night Live. Buck Henry, who's mostly a writer, could yeah. host Saturday Night Live, and people would know who he was. Uh, he created Get Smart among other things, yeah. and yep. um, so that he, Uncle Roy, was a babysitter. And Gilda and Lorraine played these little girls, like little babysittable age girls. And Uncle Roy would do things like, let's play, you know, search for the buried treasure. And somewhere on Uncle Roy is a candy bar. And so these two little children would then basically search Buck Henry's clothing (laughs) for for the thing. Or let's take pictures of like like, peekaboo. So he'd whip out this... um, whip out a Polaroid camera and they would hide their face with their, their nightgown. So they would like expose their underpants and they would take right. pictures of them right. and they were having the best time. Yeah. Yeah. Uncle Roy. I think it's, yeah, I think it's important to say right now that sometimes things we love have an expiration date. <laughs> I, it's, with, without question, without, well, especially nowadays, Sean, like now yeah. an, ex, uh, an expiration date could be next week, you know, something right. that we like now, right. but especially stuff where, you know, you've got like a weirdly pedophile uh, uncle yeah. taking snapshots yeah. of your daughters. I mean, that, but, yeah. and played for laughs. Um, and played for laughs and it got yeah. past the like standards and practices yeah. and like advertisers weren't pulling out. And it was, it, it was, <laughs> it was a different time. <laughs> it, as completely. I say, it was a different time. I would never defend it today. I would never try to make it happen today. But I also yeah. won't like shy away from the fact that I thought it was hilarious. Back I did then. too. I did uh, too, man. I, yeah. I did too. A different time, but yes, Uncle Roy. Like you watch it now, yeah. and you go, "Ooh." <laughs> I mean, do let's you know we're going to talk about one of my favorite sketches, which you have you've got queued up. And yeah. If we're going to talk about problematic eras or even yeah. things on Saturday Night Live, it would be a long discussion. Yeah. Because yeah. oh no, absolutely. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh, that yeah. might be a great episode. I think so. I think you just gave. Me, I think you just gave me an idea. I did subversive. I did subversive, but not like sure. Yeah, but but this is a that's a whole different thing. Okay, Brian Fellow Safari Planet. I can't even uh, explain to you how much uh, that made me laugh every single time he did it. And that I, and and Astronaut Jones, those two that mm-hmm. for, as as far as like Tracy Moore, because I love Tracy, Tracy. Moore. He's, he's insane, and I love him. Um, but like those two were just ridiculous. And but explain, was there a specific Brian Fellows uh, uh, episode that you liked? I remember the one with Janet Jackson, where I'm trying. I think this is the one. And also, um, what's his name? The cast member who did uh, the Last Man on Earth. His name. Oh, Forte. Will Forte. Will Forte. Forte. Yeah, yeah. I think Forte was on that one too. And yeah. they brought on a uh, a squirrel. It was a squirrel. <laughs> And they pulled it out, and Brian Follow says, "That rat dirty." <laughs> like, That's not a rat. That's a squirrel. Um, it's just I think Tracy Morgan. I don't know anything about the dy- the backstage dynamics about that show. Yeah. I feel like he had to fight for every moment that he was on camera, yeah. and thank God he did because he honestly is just like funny in a different way than that show i think knew how to showcase i think 30 rock really showcased it well yeah and that show i don't know i just loved him on the show but he seemed like he's from another cast uh, yeah he seemed on a planet another planet at times uh i mean to this day i watch him on talk shows and i'm like god i love and 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 now i love the fact that he just completes he complete every time he sees him i got millions of dollars in walmart money because walmart truck smashed him almost killed him <laughs> all right, talking about that. right. Uh, so but no yeah safari place brian fellows like, i'm brian fellow and that and that's all he keeps saying the entire time and then right. like when the, when the animals the puppets start talking to him in his head uh every yeah. it's funny every goddamn time it's so funny oh right the janet jackson ones that he and janet jackson were gonna wear hats and go on a flying squirrel together and then cut to the footage of him and Janet Jackson on a flying squirrel. I remember that now. Hilarious. Um, Next on your, on your list of runners, honorable mentions. uh, I mean, the Vincent Price holiday special. um, uh, They're all great, but the one for Mm -hmm. me uh, is uh, John Hamm is as James Mm -hmm. Mason and uh, Kristen Wiig is as Gloria Swanson and Fred Armisen is Liberace. That's the, that to me, and they're all great. Every, every single one of them are, I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. Franco as James Dean is fantastic and all that stuff. But that one with John Hamm, say, where are the whores? That, that whole thing right. is great. Halloween special. Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> I, I think that should be like an actual special on TV that they do every year. Like I would love to see like SNL break that out at Halloween. Yeah. And like, you know, do a different one every year with like yeah. different, you know, whoever they got on deck that could come and do, um, talk about uh, uh, valuable cast members, Chloe Feynman, who oh, yeah. is a genius yeah. with like every celebrity voice. I don't know. I, yeah, I just, it just again, that sort of harkens back to the um, the earlier days. Like, who today is a fan of Vincent Price? You know what I mean? Like, right. when right. the when the show's stated audience target is like boys age like fourteen to twenty three or something like that. Yeah. Like, who 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 of those are excited about a Vincent Price special. So every once in a while, they do pull one out like that. They do. They now, by the way, and I'm sure you've met her. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming uh, you've met uh, Victoria Price, um, Vincent's daughter. 
I have not. Oh, like, okay. Because she does the convention circuit, so I thought maybe. Uh, right. And I did her. I did her Q and A a few years ago at Flashback Horror Convention here. Oh, super cool. And she's awesome and amazing and great stories and stuff. And she, I asked her, you know, like, how did she feel about you know, like Bill Hader's Vince Vincent Price? And she's like, it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. She loves it. Yeah. And um, and she said her dad would have loved it, and that she's friends with Bill Hader, and that made me happy. I was like, okay, cool, because it's like, because it's a hilarious impression, because Bill Hader, right. I mean, you know, Bill Hader fucking rules, and but, but like it's a hilarious impression, and I, I, I you know, I, I'm glad to know that she's like, yeah, my dad would have loved it, and I was happy to hear that. So I think there's something about the the actor playing the person when they love the person that yeah. comes through on sketches like that. So I yeah. think that's one of the. And you know, you mentioned you mentioned like. Um, uh, the, the 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 lack of sometimes that su- that sweetness and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Bill Hader to me has that in spades. Even is Barry. Mm-hmm. Even is Barry. Like he's like mm-hmm. there's something that you love about him and that the characters are really not only lovable but have love in them. And uh, mm-hmm. th- and I think Hader can pull all of that stuff off. He's one of those guys that is a throwback to those days that we're talking about. I think he is a, definitely a gentle soul, and his like Stefan character is like, oh. unendingly hilarious. And- yeah. Uh, and the context of the show was super great. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay. Almost pizza. One. Okay. Oh. Now we're talking. Now. Now we're getting into one of the million uh, um, uh, commercial parodies. But this. Wig. Yeah. This, this and Kristen Wiig, of course. And this one goes into uh, surrealism and horror. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's great. Tell tell people about almost. Uh, I love this God. sketch as well. I love this. One. So yeah, it's my my husband and I. We quote this to each other constantly. It was one of the like couple different sketches on there that we've talked about. Um, so Almost Pizza is just a commercial for like a frozen pizza, but it's called Almost Pizza. And so it's a husband and wife and they're talking about, hey, it's all, what's that smells great. What is it? Is it pizza? No, it's Almost Pizza. What's Almost Pizza? It's it's just like pizza, except in a few key ways. It's close enough. To, it's like, it's close enough. To, it's like in a few key ways that legally prevent us from calling it pizza. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> But is it food? Come on. Uh, yeah. And then, well, tr- here, I'll eat a piece. And then, like, she pretends to eat a piece. Right, you can tell right. that she's faking. Right. And then the daughter comes in. Hey, pizza. Uh, it's, no, it's almost pizza. It smells like pizza. It's meant to. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's so hard to, like, describe, like, absurdism or surrealism. Yeah. But well, yeah. and also at, at, one, of... at one point, right? I'm sorry. Go ahead. You go ahead. No, I was gonna say they they slap the pizza out of the daughter's hand and it hits the ground and it shatters. Yeah. And then it reconstitutes itself and, and crawls crawl, and away. crawls away. Exactly. That was the point. Yeah. That's that's the yeah. best part of the whole thing. Uh, almost pizza. That's a great one. All right. And then mirror image. Now this is something that again you mentioned your husband. Mm-hmm. To, you guys loved this the the Kristen Wiig character so much. You have T-shirts made for me. Well, explain, yeah. first of all, explain what mirror mirror image is. Mirror Image is a uh, it's a TV show on Disney Channel about two sisters that are twins that <laughs> you know swap in and out of things and people don't know except now they're older and one of them got fat and I know <laughs> I know fat getting fat is not we're not you know that's yeah. not a thing that's like a comic punchline anymore right uh, and it's more than that in the sketch anyway so Kristen Wiig of course is the like the problematic neurodivergent <laughs> twin and Amy Adams is the like do-gooder twin. And so right, they, right. It's a classroom scene and they're switching in and out right. and then they get caught, right? Then they get caught. Um, and so the thing that it, it, there's a, uh, Amy Adams has to leave. So Kristen Wiig switches in 
And she says to him, to the teacher, I'm back to learn your stupid class about garbage. (laughs) And I'm looking at a t-shirt right now that I had made for my husband with a picture of Kristen Wiig from that sketch (laughs) and the line, I'm back to learn your stupid class about garbage. (laughs) We say that to each other on a weekly basis at this point. (laughs) That's great. That is great. So yeah. Anyway, that's, that's basically the the sketch. It's it's the twins that aren't really twins and everybody can tell, but they, and, and their solution is they change schools every day. (laughs) that's great and then the last one that you mentioned as a runner-up again features Kristen Wiig I'm seeing a pattern I'm sensing a pattern here I know I know I know um and this by the way I have to tell you this just coincidentally and I'm not kidding you when I uh opened up your email yesterday to see you know your response to your five favorites and all that stuff I had just my girlfriend Julie is you know she she never really was a big Saturday Night Live uh, uh person um, and she was not, she, we were having dinner and she did something like, Oh, she acted very excited at dinner. <laughs> and I'm like, Holy shit. You, you, you did, did a Kristen wig and she's aware of Kristen wig, but was not aware mm-hmm. of Sue. Um, and <sighs> Sue is a character who really, really gets excited about surprises and surprise parties. Yeah. One of my favorite characters ever like oh no way yeah oh my god i can't i can't even explain the first time and you mentioned the christopher walken one and that's the one that that's the one that i showed julie because i like julie you have to see this because she i said it's so reminded me of because she got excited she went ooh, and she did the thing with her hands and i went holy shit you're Kristen you know and (laughs) so she's like i don't know what that is and so i was like i'll show you the first one and we went to youtube and i showed her the first one with walken and she was on the floor laughing, and we ended up watching like all six of them, and <laughs> because oh. it was like, no, we we are not going to stop. She's like, no, we are watching the next one now, and um, <laughs> so that's explained for. I mean, that's a explain for everybody what Sue is and, and and why you love Sue so much. Well, the premise is that it's a group of people that are going to throw a surprise party for someone in their family, <laughs> and Christopher Walken plays like the dad or something. Which, yeah. by the way, that that alone, Christopher yeah. Walken like. And then we'll <laughs> jump out and say surprise. Like the, him, like yeah. organizing a yeah. surprise party is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. And Kristen <laughs> Wiig plays Sue, who is of indeterminate relation to this group of people, as I recall. Yeah, yeah. You don't who's know. Just, She's just Sue. They never refer to her yeah. as like an aunt or anybody. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just Sue. And they and she's so quote so friggin' excited. Yeah. About this birthday party. <laughs> And yeah, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's one of those things that's hard to explain because it's just it like, is. like we learned in improv class, like explore and heighten. Yeah. So Sue gets more and more excited about the party and she's like writing shit down and she's practicing saying surprise. And of course that's it's like startling and creepy to everybody. And I think it yeah. ends with her because she can't be quiet. She can't not ruin the surprise. She jumps out the window. Yeah. She either, uh, ju- like every sketch ends with her like jumping out a window or through a wall yeah. Uh, the yeah. Christmas one, she climbs up. She she climbs up the fire <laughs> escape or the now the fireplace. Climbs up the yeah. chimney, falls off the falls off the <laughs> off the roof, because she can't. Ha- and 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 there's and at every point in the sketch, she's like, I can't. I gotta eat something. My blood sugar's too low. And so they give her something to eat, and and like she's always shoving it in her mouth. It's just yeah. and it's it's twisted. And she's wearing this patchwork loud turtleneck sweater, which she pulls yeah. up over her face, and it's just yeah. genius, man. It's so funny. What did she say in that first one? They say, "Oh my God!" The the look on her. Somebody says, "The look on her face is going to be priceless." Chris, yeah. Sue was like, "Oh my God, her face!" 
Her I forgot face. about her face. I, I, the forgot, I forgot about and like the And the slow, like at the beginning when she says, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Sewer, so are great. you okay? Yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm so freaking excited. It's, oh, it's the best. So I'm glad you brought that one up. And obviously the timing on that is very, uh, is very interesting considering I just showed my girlfriend those clips last night and she was just like happy just laughing, laughing her ass off at it. And yeah. uh, all right, well, let's get into the five that, um, that you chose and I know mm-hmm. it's impossible, but let's talk first about uh, La Dolce Gilda. And this is um, from 70. I can give you the exact date. Um, April 15th, 1978, season three, episode 17. Michael Sarazen. You remember Peter Proud? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Sarazen was your host. Uh, and again, you know, like you mentioned before, we'll, we, we, you know, when we were kids, we'd watch this stuff. Like, I didn't know what the hell La Dolce Vita was at that point. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of didn't understand what they were shooting for. Oh, it's, it's, it's like mm-hmm. a... It's like a, uh, you know, a, a satire of French cinema, pretentious black and white mm-hmm. French cinema. I didn't know any of that shit. Like you, I was like, wow, Dan Eckert's riding someone through a crowded restaurant right now, and I don't know what right. the hell's going on. <laughs> and I loved Gilda, so it all worked. What, what is it about La Dolce Gilda that you loved? I think it was just that, again, this is in retrospect, that the show was asking us to keep up with it reference-wise. The reference yeah. level on the first five years of Saturday Night Live was really high. Yeah. And uh, and I kind of knew what it was just because I had, uh, you know, sort of seen these images. So I understood that it was a, like a foreign film. Right. It was right. a film for it was a film for grownups. Like I'd never seen that kind of thing. But it just again, it, it felt like, you know what it was? We knew a lot about the cast of that original five, first five years yeah. because they put themselves into the show. Like when Bill Murray was like, came onto the show in the second year and he wasn't doing very well and wasn't very popular. He did that whole weekend update monologue that like addressed yep. that yep. specifically, yep. you know, yep. that they, they played themselves in sketches. They referred to each other by their names. Like that one time when Gilda came out and like answered questions from the crowd and all of the questions were for somebody named Kevin. And you know what I mean? Like they just, right. they like, right. they laid on, they, they rested on the cast's actual personalities and i think that's what la dolce gilda yeah why it resonates with me because it's like all this is how the outside world sees her like they shot a film of like how the outside world sees gilda so well let's play a little clip from it um and again some of the stuff that we're playing like i'll play it and then we can describe it because some of the stuff is visual uh some of the jokes are visual but here's a here's a little piece of uh, the ending of uh uh, la dolce gilda from Leave me alone. comes out and releases a balloon it's all in black and right. white 
and it's not it's almost not played for laughs you know yeah. what i mean like it's yeah. it's just sort of straightforward i remember the image that really besides that last image of her walking down the street um is lorraine newman with like the sunglasses on smoking a cigarette in a, in a bar yeah in that sort of montage of stuff yeah, yeah. it's interesting you know they when she died um, they steve martin hosted yeah, and they played the that clip of them dancing, that one yeah. clip of them like dancing all over the thing, and which was great. But I think this would this would also well, it it probably would have been too heartbreaking to play it, this. But I think yeah. this would it's a yeah. perfect epitaph for yeah. uh, Gilbert. She's amazing. Okay, so La Dolce Gilda, and then uh, let's 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 talk a little bit about the Ghostbusters show. Now the Ghostbusters show. Oof. Which uh, appeared on uh, November tenth, nineteen eighty four. George Carlin was the host. Frankie Ho- Frankie goes to fucking Hollywood. Was a musical guest. God bless him. Wow. Uh, season ten, episode five. I played a little bit from this episode because I talked about anchors, the best anchors mm-hmm. in uh, mm-hmm. of Weekend Update. And there was that period of time when Ebersol thought it would be a good idea to have the hosts anchor uh, the mm-hmm. Weekend Update, and that was that got to be a uh, you know kind of a train wreck, especially when Michael mm-hmm. Douglas. Michael Douglas was the anchor of Weekend Update one time. Right. Uh, but this was that night, and they did this thing called the Ghostbuster sketch. Um, and it features Mary Gross, Julie Louis-Dreyfus, and Jim Belushi. And the setup is oddly, and almost coincidentally and weirdly, Jim Belushi is the host of a show dedicated to the greatness of the Ghostbusters. Correct? Yes. Yeah. And that was Are November... You- November 10th, 1984, and the movie had, was still out in theaters at that point because it came out in the summer of 84, and it was the biggest thing ever. Yeah. So yeah. explain you, to me. Are you going to play the clip? Oh. oh, I am. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, but let me play the clip first. And so this is like okay. he, he – it's a talk show. It's, it's like a cable access show, that's, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, he's got a boom box, and he plays the, the song at the beginning, and then they set the whole right. thing. And this is the setup, and, and actually I got a good chunk of it here because I wanted, okay, to, get, I wanted to get some of Mary Gross and, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. <laughs> Fantastic stuff here. But here it is. Something strange in your neighborhood. Who you gonna call? Hi, I'm Chad Webb, and welcome to Ghostbusters, the show where I get together with interesting people to discuss the best movie ever made, Ghostbusters. We have some really cool guests tonight, two sisters, Consuela and Chi-Chi. I met them while I was standing in line to see Ghostbusters for the 71st time. But right now, I see the Ghostbusters hotline is lit up. Hello, Ghostbusters hotline. Uh, yeah, is there is there any truth to the rumor that they're planning Ghostbusters 2 with a new cast that includes Tim Matheson and Prince? <laughs> well, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard of. <laughs> Replacing the original Ghostbusters? He's no. not true. What you gonna call? Prince? He's <laughs> not true. He's not true. Exactly. Well put, girls. Okay, now, what's your favorite part of the movie? <gasps> oh. oh. The Ghostbusters. Oh, yes, of course. Of course. And then um, the nerd guy. Oh, he was good. That's Rick Moranis. <laughs> oh, my Moranis. God. You know, the scariest part of that movie for me was when uh, that nerd guy, he goes running to the street, remember? remember? And he's crying, help me, help me. But nobody will help him. Nobody. Oh, I love him, that little nerd guy. Remember, he turns into a dog. A dog. A dog. Well, he was real good, but you know, he's not a Ghostbuster. No, no. I want to know, who's your favorite Ghostbuster? Oh, that's hard. Uh, uh, I like the black one. <laughs> the black 
didn't do nothing. But Chichi, he was ghost buster. He didn't do nothing. No, 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 no. They just didn't give him enough to do, that's all. He would have been great ghost buster if they had given him great ghost buster job and said, go do it and be successful with it. <laughs> successful? I mean, Ghostbusters was the most successful movie of all times. Yeah. I mean, I think that movie has everything. Oh, yeah. It even made Chichi cry. A car trick will make me cry. Well, <laughs> it's true, but I didn't cry. I just got mad at that one part because uh, that government guy, he said, let ghosts out of the box. And they said to him, if you do that, Cuckoo things will happen in cities. Dogs and cats will live together. Yeah, they said that. And then he did it anyway because he was giving pain in the neck. He was stubborn like a mule. Stubborn. I know, but in spite of that, it's still a great, great movie, girls. Okay, important question now. What's the first thing you think about when you think about Ghostbusters? Mm, they they saw. Yeah, I like the song. You never get tired of they saw. Oh, Chichi, don't cry again. <laughs> so there it is. There's a little bit of it. Uh, I have to say, I hadn't seen that sketch in many, many, many years until oh. I got your email. And then when I searched for it and I found it, I was like, oh, my God. That's really funny. It's really funny. Oh. Uh, what, what is it about that sketch that stands out for you like 40 years later? But it just, it has stood out since the day I saw it. I just, it's this great example of just like taking the stupidest thing and just like, like beating you into submission as yeah. an audience member. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know, it's the performances, the writing's actually really good. I mean, again, I feel like, and I, this is unconfirmed, but I feel like Julie Louis-Dreyfus and Mary Gross are playing Latinas, which is not cool, Yeah. but... It just, I, I don't know, it just, they are so committed and it's so funny and the line, like, I don't know. It just, it, I, I, yeah. I, I, don't, I, I don't know how to go even further into it. It's just that, that comedy of like ridiculous premises mm -hmm. that I feel like this came to the writer at like four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. And I, it's also nice to once go go back and see every once in a while, Julia Louis-Dreyfus actually did do something great on SNL. Um, because she was, you know, obviously, I, re I remember she was asked, I think it was by David Letterman a few years back when they were doing an interview, um, about, and you know, obviously Julia Louis-Dreyfus went on to do a few other things, right. <laughs> but, uh, but they asked her, she's like, he's like, well, what, uh, what kind of stuff did you do when you were on, on Saturday night? What kind of stuff did you do? And she just goes, here's your food, Mr. G Mr. Gumby. That was like, that's all I did. That was, <laughs> that was an example of a line, you know, like that she would have all yeah. the time. Here's your food, Mr. Gumby. And that's it. The only things I can remember her doing on the show from that era were this sketch. These two characters were in other things. Mm -hmm. I remember that. She did a sketch when Lily Tomlin hosted. She played her friend on the big rocking chair, also mm -hmm. in brown face, unfortunately. Oh uh, she God. played a little Latina girl. And um, a sketch that was obviously her and Brad and Gary's um, sketch from their comedy show that they were doing when they got hired to be on yeah, the show yeah, yeah it was this like they played like evangelists or something and and the the and brad would like i sense a cancer in you and he'd like touch women's breasts or something like that right yeah she right. didn't have a lot to do but yeah. they kept her for three years they did she was on for three years and uh yeah. anyway so there's the ghostbuster show okay the next one now this one we're gonna have to describe i'll play it but we're gonna have to describe okay. it. This is larry's corner speaking of brad brad hall is the host Oof. of this this kiss this show called Larry's Corner. It features Tim Kazarinsky, Gary Gary Kroger, and 
oddly, um, a writer named Andy Breckman, who people were like, who the fuck is this guy? Because he's, right. he's in the sketch. Yeah. Well, let's play it. I mean, we're, I, I, it's only a minute and a half, because that's it. That's yeah, the whole okay. sketch. So I'll play it, and then we'll describe what it is and why you, why for some reason you chose this as your top five. <laughs> but here we go. Hi, I'm Larry Rollins. Welcome to Larry's Corner. You know, Usually on Larry's Corner, we talk to an author or a local politician, but tonight, I thought I'd try something just a little bit different. Just for the fun of it, I've asked my three best friends from high school to be my guests. Now, first of all, we have Dale Windham. Now, Dale lived right down the block from me, and the thing I remember about Dale was that if he was drinking milk and he started to laugh real hard, the milk would come out of his nose. Hey, Dale. Look what I've got. <laughs> Drink up, buddy. <laughs> now, right next to me over here, I have a young fella, and his name is Jimmy Heller. Jimmy used to crack all of us up by making this crazy duck noise under his arm. <laughs> Make that duck noise, Jimmy. <laughs> That's entertainment. <laughs> now, finally, I have my good friend, Eddie Nelson. Eddie was known around our neighborhood for one thing. Eddie was the kid who would drink anything. I'm not exaggerating. This guy would drink anything. If it was liquid and Eddie could reach it, it was history. <laughs> well, fellas, welcome to Larry's Corner. It's a pleasure So, so, so that's it. Uh, and oh. now, it, uh, now we have to describe. First of all, that was October sure. eighth, October eighth, nineteen eighty three, season nine, episode one. Okay, that was the season yeah. premiere. The host was Brandon Tartikoff, by the way, and oh, John God. Cougar. John Cougar was the musical guest. <laughs> so. If this was season nine, was this um, Dick Ebersol's first season? Um, ye- no, no, no. <clears throat> Gene Germanian no, last last how many? Yeah, no, yeah. This this Dream? was yes. This was yes. This was their first. This was no, no, no. I think this was still Domanian. I think, I think. Okay, I think. I yeah. Um, yeah. So what's happening is the duck noise is like putting your hand in your armpit and like you know making a yeah. fart noise, which is what we would call it. Right. And the bearded guy. So he's handed the bearded guy a glass of milk. Ha ha ha. Here's your glass. The one whose whose liquid would come out of his nose. Ha ha ha. Here's that glass of milk. Guy makes the duck noise. The guy who who milk comes out of his nose has just taken a sip. And then he starts laughing. And like through special effects, a hose of milk is coming out of his nose. Right. 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 And the guy next to him who will, quote, drink anything. Right. Then manages to grab a glass and hold it under the milk coming out of the guy's nose. And that's Tim Kazarinsky plays that. And he is... And he is filling the glass and drinking the milk that is coming out of the guy's nose. Right. And and that's it. I, I that's it. That's the whole thing. And you can hear you can hear in the laughter like when it rises, which right. is when Tim Kazarinski starts drinking the milk coming out of the right. guy's nose. Right. I just think that this is like a a perfectly constructed like. I, I just need to know how they walk backwards into this. Like how did like I don't know. It just it was. 
it is literally i saw it live i i have described the sketch to my friends yeah a thousand times yep. as an example of a great sketch from the show and it just it even here listen, listening to it and not watching it although i did watch it again yeah right before we came on I just, it just makes me laugh. It just makes me happy. It's well, <laughs> so base. It's so base. It's one joke. It's one joke. It's like fart noise makes guy laugh. Milk oh. comes out and the guy drinks the milk oh. and that's it. And, and, yeah. and it's, a, it's simple. It's, it's, it's like literally just two minutes long. So it's yeah. this, but, and then also the, to add to it, it was on the season premiere. <laughs> Yeah. And Brandon Tartikoff was the host. All of that right. somehow somehow gels into this weird like perfection. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's just very yeah. crazy. The guy and the I think they had the guy, the writer, because Andy he Breck, had a beard. Andy Breckman. Yeah, right. So they had a beard so they could hide the tubes. Oh, right. I think that's that one of the in the beard. Right. Yeah, I think yeah. that's pretty much why he was chosen to do yeah. it. All right. Well, there's that. Larry's oh. corner. All right. Now the next yeah. one. We've talked about several times on the on on the podcast, um, and it's uh, Black Jeopardy with Tom Hanks, which I think is one of the best oh. sketches of the past uh, twenty years. Um, okay. The interesting thing about this, which we talked about the historical significance of it, was because uh, that happened um, that aired the same night uh, that, if you're a baseball fan, the Cubs beat the Dodgers to get to the World Series that night. Mm-hmm. So it was a big deal for us Cub fans. So I did not watch that episode till about 2 o'clock in the morning because mm. they had all the post-celebrations. This was a big deal. The Cubs went to the fucking World Series for the first time in 900 years. So it was a big deal. So not only did it get delayed, did I not watch it till like 2 o'clock in the morning, but that was also the episode that David S. Pumpkins was on. Um, oh, and right. so it got oh, – this sketch – got overshadowed by that it, like if you're a baseball fan it got overshadowed by you know not watching it live and mm-hmm. also because David S Pumpkins became such a pop culture phenomenon and right, right there at the beginning of the show the second sketch in is this uh Black Jeopardy sketch where it's Black Jeopardy but with uh um a maga uh, hat wearing white guy played by Tom Hanks mm-hmm. uh Michael Che wrote the sketch and and two other guys wrote the sketch Michael Che wrote most of it and it is mm-hmm. brilliant uh, I think in that it's so easy to be to take easy targets at the MAGA people, and mm-hmm. and and it was it was a sketch that was at the time at, at this country well it still is but at at the time right before the election we were at our most divisive like there was this there was it was one one way or the other and to have this sketch which is about common ground between the people on Black Jeopardy the black people and this MAGA guy. It's brilliant and subtle, mm-hmm. and it's I I love it. So what, what what did what did you love about it? I thought it was the most brilliant, incisive piece of political comedy they've done on that show, probably ever. Yeah. Like I, I I first of all, it's hilarious. It's yes, f- yes. fucking hilarious. Yep. Um, you know, and and just it it in retrospect, it actually told us what was going to happen in the yeah. next election, right? Like it was told us like, yeah. oh, these monoliths, we think about people and how they vote and who they vote for kind of don't mean anything anymore. Yeah. And there's common ground between unexpected people, but also it was just so fucking funny. Yeah. And, and, yeah. I, and Michael Che, I, I have to say, I didn't love him at first, but I've come to grow to think that he's a come to grow. Listen to my me writer. I've yeah. grown <laughs> to understand the genius of his writing. As an yeah. update, his stuff is so, so, so insightful and hilarious. Yep. Yep. And 
So I'm not surprised to hear that he wrote this sketch. Yeah, he uh, wrote it. Yeah, and I don't know. I just thought it was it was truly a piece of like sketch I, comedy brilliance that yep. was funny, but also said something at the same time. I agree with you. Yeah. Everything that you said, I agree with 100%. Well, I think it's one of the best sketches, one of the best political sketches ever, one of the best sketches in like 20 years on the show. Tom Hanks was the host. Lady Gaga was the musical guest. It was a great night, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, also, that was the night of, of, of David S. Pumpkins and more. October 22nd, 2016, season 42, episode four. Now, here's just a, here's a little bit of it. And again, this is a seven-minute sketch. I played a few, I, I recorded a few minutes of it, but all seven minutes is genius, this sketch. Mm-hmm. So here's a little bit of the Black Jeopardy with Doug. Well, thank you so much, Darnell. You people are fun. Can I say that? Is that okay? Can I say that? We'll give you a pass this time. Okay, let's go to Big Girls for 200. Okay, the answer there, skinny women can do this for you. Doug. What is not a damn thing? Yeah, you know what? Yeah, you know, my wife, my wife, she's a, she's a sturdy gal. Yeah. That is my man right <laughs> there. Yeah, go Doug, go Doug, go Doug, go Oh, oh. Uh, the sound of the broom hitting the ceiling below us means that the party has to stop. <laughs> but, uh, Doug, I have to say it has been a pleasure. Well, you know, right back at you, my brother. All right, well, let's take a look at our final Jeopardy category. Lives that matter. <laughs> well, it was good while it lasted, Doug. I know I got a lot to say about this. Yeah, I'm sure you do. When we come back, <laughs> we'll play the national anthem and just see what the hell happens. We'll be right back. It's so fucking good. It's uh, oh, it's so good. God. The- the first joke, the, not the first joke. Well, first of all, is this features the underused Sasher Zameda, who yes. I always thought got a raw deal on this show. I agree. Um, totally and agree. Leslie Jones, Leslie Jones, who's hilarious when she's playing herself. Yeah. Um, and the first real joke in it is the question is, oh God, I can't remember the category, but it was basically like Apple has introduced a new uh, security feature on its phone where it requires <laughs> yeah. your fingerprint. Right. to open the phone and yeah. and tom hanks buzzes in and is like no because that's how they get you that's how they get and, you <laughs> right and the black contestant's like yes and the host <laughs> is like yes and right and that like just sets up the whole thing it is it's so because up until that point of course you're like what is this guy gonna say and and, and that's the other yeah. thing like when i saw the setup i'm like okay well this will be easy and then the depth which that sketch goes to, because you don't expect, you see a guy in a MAGA hat and you think, okay, he's going to be a fucking idiot and that'll be it. <laughs> and that's not at all where the sketch went. And, uh, and mm-hmm. I remember watching it going, holy shit, this is amazing. And yeah. of all the sketches that they did during that time period, during the election and then after Trump won and all that stuff, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is the standout of all of them. I mean, all well, of them. Yeah, Agreed. And, and quite frankly, uh, SNL's political comedy has, has, is, I think, the, the weakest part of the show. They, they so often open with it. Yeah. And you always know it's going to be terrible because it's just somebody doing an impression of, of people and just sort of regurgitating what's in the news. This was like actually like, it's, you know, yep. insightful, yep. like political comedy. Well, I mean, so, you mentioned you mentioned it just this past weekend. They, the, the cold open was Mikey Day taking a crack at Joe Biden because nobody can do him, apparently. Right. And then uh, Michael Longfellow comes out as, the, as Michael Johnson, the new Mike Johnson, the new uh, House Speaker. And it was like, what? What's what the hell is happening the, here? I know. The last one that I thought was decent was after Hillary 
lost and they had um uh Kate, Kate McKinnon Kate McKinnon, Kate McKinnon but, yeah at the piano playing yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's basically shows that the show is in the tank for Hillary, which is fine. But it, yeah. again, that was like hearkening back to those things that yep. they just like yep. let sit there yep. um, and just let it be. So it was a beautiful moment, yeah. actually. Really beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Now, the last one is you're going to have to explain this one because this is an obscure. <laughs> this is an obscure okay. Kristen Wiig. And I believe Will Forte co-wrote this sketch as well. Okay. Uh, um, and it's, it's called Where's My Purse? Uh, and it's the debate. The, yeah. the the idea is that it's a science fiction TV show, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like so kind of science... like Star Trek ish. Yeah, yeah. I I guess, or maybe it even takes place there. And the premise is uh, <laughs> Kristen Wiig plays the captain of this spaceship, and Will Forte is her second in command. And they've entered um, <laughs> enemy territory by accident. Right. And I, I don't know how I don't know how much, what you're going to play of the clip. I can I'll go a little further no. to it, but. Let me, I'll just play, yeah, let me play, because she's lost her, so set it up, because she lost her purse, she's more concerned about where her purse is. Yeah, so, so so Kristen Wiig enters as they're about to enter this, like, you know, dangerous thing, and she's distracted, and Will Monte's like, what's happening? She's like, I can't find my purse. (laughs) So, at this point in the sketch, let me just say this, he says, why don't you make an announcement? Right, uh, to right. the crew. So, so this is where she's going to make an announcement to the crew. And by the way, Kristen Wiig, Will Forte, Bill Hader, Fred Armisen, Maya Rudolph, Andy Samberg, and Keenan Thompson are all in this goddamn sketch right. uh, at some point. And your host was John Bon Jovi. Uh, yeah, also in the sketch. Yeah. Also in the sketch as the enemy, as the as the alien enemy. Uh, Foo yeah. Fighters were the musical guests. This was October 13, 2007, season 33, episode 3. But th- So all these people are in this. So this is like Will Forte is like, why don't you make an announcement to the crew? And maybe somebody knows about, where your purse about is. About your purse, right. Yeah, so here it is. Uh, attention, everyone, on the ship. It's your captain, Captain Wallace here. Oh, my God. Oh, I've got some terrible news. I, I have lost my purse. And I just, I just, I don't know where it is. I, I can't find it. I, I had it, and now I don't have it. If anyone has seen it, or if they saw me with it earlier, I just, I don't know. It's black. Um, this is just, I don't know. Okay, I just keep your eyes open. I love you guys, okay? Okay, uh, Captain, we need to focus. Yeah. Oh, I think someone is hailing us. I really don't think I can talk uh, to anyone right you, now. We are on a spaceship, okay? You'll find it. There are only so many places it can be. You're right. Put them on the screen, I'm sorry. Ha 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 ha, foolish humans. Oh, no, it's Blorax. Ha 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 ha, yes, it is me. And I assume you realize that you've entered my Blarinian territory the consequences for violating interstellar law, don't you? It was a mistake. We've had some problems with our system, and, uh, Captain. So last night, did I put it over my shoulder before I put my jacket on? I don't remember. Captain! I take your ambivalence as an invitation for us to seize your ship. Captain, do something. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry uh, we came where we weren't supposed to go. Florax, you are not going to believe this day that I've had. Just ask Officer Belton. She lost her purse. Yes. <laughs> it was black, Florax. It held everything. Silence! <laughs> you already boarded your ship. Prepare for destruction. <laughs> Captain! Aliens have boarded the ship and they... Ah, man! Captain, leave me. Save the others. Oh, my God. It's okay. Save yourself. 
Oh my god! I just remembered where my purse is! Oh my god! That's right, I put it right here on the floor when I put my jacket on! It's right here! Oh my god! I got my purse! Oh my god! Okay, so they, <laughs> that's, a little, that's a little bit of it. goes on. It goes on a little bit longer. Oh. And she almost so leaves her, when, when they're leaving the ship, she almost leaves her. Oh my God, I almost left my purse again. You know, so, right. um, so hey what is it? A, a, <laughs> so a what crazy is it, day what, just got crazier. Yeah. No. <laughs> so what is it about that that stands out for you that wears my purse? What is it? <laughs> I, uh, well, I mean, I don't know. Kristen Wiig, I mean, she can make anything funny. There's a thing at the beginning of the sketch where she comes in and she can't find her purse. And so she's trying to think about where her purse is. He's like, I know I had it when I paid for breakfast, which I still don't understand why we have to. And I just think that, that joke just makes me laugh so hard. Wow. Hey, guys, I know that you're fighting and or dying. I just want to let you know I found my purse. Yeah. It's, yeah. I don't know. It just, it's, I don't know. She's That's just so a- funny she's she's i mean obviously she, you know we've we've talked a lot about her on this episode because she's just such, such a fucking genius but but that's that is a that's definitely a forte uh, uh sketch right. um because he's you know he writes sketches about people who leave their purse behind and eat uh, right. somebody else's potato chips that's right. the kind of stuff that well, forte right does. it's one of those like you know like those what if sketches like what if you lost your purse on a spaceship like right. you know what i mean like you sort <laughs> right. of go from there right, right. Uh, right. when oh, you're like yeah. desperate for an idea yeah yeah and all right I could, well, I could watch it a million times all right well we've got we've we've done a little deep dive into sean abley's mind uh so you've got <laughs> <laughs> so you've got those sketches and, and and more and uh and all that stuff well uh sean i really appreciate you coming on man. it's been such a blast catching up with you and uh and and letting everybody know about your weird sense of <laughs> sense of humor that you find funny because a lot of these these sketches that you have here, they don't show up on other people's lists. I just want you to know that. And, uh, and that is fantastic. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll have you remember my initial foray into sketch writing was dialing for dismemberment. So I feel right. like what is that, that, that tells you that sets up the whole, the whole, I think it. Story. that's it. And that's why that was great that we led with that story. Uh, God, Sean, so much fun catching up with you, man. Um, first of all, tell everybody great. what you're doing, where they can see it, plug away, um, mm. uh, websites for future things that are happening. Please tell everybody what you're what you'll be doing. So the big thing that I'm doing right now is I founded a playwriting retreat for LGBTQ playwrights that we host in Palm Springs. It's called the Desert Playwrights Retreat. It's fully funded. Uh, it's a nonprofit, so we pay for everything. We pay to fly people out. We pay for them for their lodging. We pay for their food, and we just basically spend a week uh, working on theater, which is. More, mostly what I'm doing these days. I'm doing more theater than sort of TV and film writing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the big thing. And then I have a book coming out. I, well, I also write for Fangoria. I think you may have said that in the intro. Yeah. Um, and I have a book coming out, like a uh, queer horror colon, a, vi- a film guide. It's, it's this gigantic uh, right. encyclopedia of horror, all the horror films that have any sort of LGBT content in them. And that's coming out at the beginning of 2024 from hmm. McFarland books. Yeah. Where do you put Sleepaway Camp in that? In the... <laughs> oh, well, does technically, that, does that fit? technically, it's not really. Sure. No, it sure does. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, <laughs> Angela in Sleepaway Camp is not transgender. Right. She's yeah. been she's been forced to live as a girl, but she has she's not. You know, she doesn't right. identify as that. Right. So yes, I have. Um, I did a, a wrote an article for Fangoria, um, that was where I interviewed where I talked with a transgender. Uh, person who was like, yeah, that's not, she's not transgender. Right, exactly. Uh, and she, it's, it's forced, forced feminization. 
And uh, and by the way, who's the actress in that? Because she's been she's I always forget her name. She's fabulous. I've Felissa Rose. Felissa Rose. She's, fanta- Rose is her she's name. fantastic. I've I met her. She came to Flashback a couple times. She's uh, incredibly cool and entertaining as hell. Yeah, super cool. Totally like of the fan base. You know, yeah. I don't know her personally, but I've certainly met her at those things, and she's lovely. Yeah. She's fantastic. All right, cool. So uh, is it, can, can people go to a website to check out your stuff? Will you, you, you... Yeah, you can. Uh, DesertPlaywrightsRetreat.com is the retreat. SeanAvely.com okay. is me. Yeah. And I'm all over the social meds, as the kids say. Uh, Got it. Just under my name. Okay. Sean Abley. It's A-B-L-E-Y. Uh, and check it out. Sean, what a delight, man. Uh, so great to talk to you again, man. Uh, uh, absolutely. I could do it for hours. If you ever do that episode about the things that we are supposed to cancel on SNL, Please let me know. You will be I guest. Will. You will if be nothing guest. else, I'll I'll be listening. But I'd love to be a guest. <laughs> okay, you will be guest number one. All right, thanks, Sean. All right, and again, I want to thank Sean for uh, being on the podcast. Sean Abley, fantastic. Check out seanabley.com. Love the guy. Great talking SNL with him. Great that you listened to the SNL podcast. This is that show hasn't been funny in years. An SNL podcast. You can also listen to my other podcast, which is the Nick D podcast. All of them available at RadioMisfits.com and every platform where you get your podcast. And speaking of Radio Misfits, which is the greatest podcast network in the world, we have a live streaming service that runs 24 hours a day. It's like radio only cooler with great episodes and great music. It's RadioMisfits.live. Make sure. You check that out. Hey, you want to leave a voicemail message for any contributions or suggestions for the SNL podcast or my other podcast? 773-417-6948. It's open 24-7. Email me anytime you want. NickDPodcast at gmail.com about the SNL podcast or even more. I want to thank Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits for doing all the great stuff they do and making it absolutely possible. And I would love to thank Jason Skaggs, who is the wondrously talented man who composed this closing theme and the great opening theme that you hear at the beginning of every episode. Thanks, everybody, for checking it out. And uh, make sure you come back for a brand new episode of That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast right here on Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Nick Agilio. Thank you. Good night, and have a pleasant tomorrow.